Welcome to This Week in Lotus. The weekly roundtable discussion of all things social, collaboration, technology and community. Here's your host, Stuart McIntyre. This Week in Lotus, episode 48 for Tuesday, April 26, 2011. Connection 301 and the app that could spread like wildfire. This show is a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. You can find this and other tech-related podcasts at techpodcast.com. This Week in Lotus is sponsored by Audible, the destination for the widest selection of digital audiobooks available worldwide. Want to be well-read like Duffbert but just can't spare the time to read books on paper? Take an audiobook on your commute or whilst walking instead. We've got a special offer for you. Download and listen to a best-selling book every month for just $7.49 a month for the first three months and you can cancel at any time. Pick from over 85,000 audiobooks from business to classics to sci-fi or comedy. Go to thisweekinlotus.com slash audible for all the details. Hello and welcome to This Week in Lotus, episode 48. I'm Stuart McIntyre and I'm back to introduce the podcast. Uh, joined as usual by my co-host Darren Duke. Hi there, Darren. Hello, Stuart. The yellow world breathes a sigh of relief, but I'm <laughs> now relieved from my crappy production world. No, you did a great job. I so enjoyed listening to those two episodes when I got back this week. It was good. Uh, well, well, thank you. Whoever paid you with beer needs to buy beer, but Stuart, a beer at UK, because that's probably not true. I'm very thankful to Matt Newman as well for joining in. He did a great job of co-hosting. He did a fantastic job, and I want to give credit where credit's due. Pretty much Matt stacked up all the guests, so he was pretty much responsible for not just the show, being on the show, but actually the content, and I think it was uh, some pretty good stuff in there. Yeah, absolutely. I enjoyed the one about RAD. I thought that, that was a good conversation in terms of, you know, whether RAD actually matters anymore and, and you know, is, is Lotus uh, Domino Notes RAD anymore? I, I thought it was a really good conversation. I think actually, um, you know, Matt and, um, and David really nailed it in terms of some of the real sort of business requirements for RAD. And, and, and it's, it's more about actually getting the right code out there in terms of applications rather than it necessarily being about the speed. Absolutely. And now we've actually, we're trying to constantly get an Australian accent on the show every week now, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's got to be mandatory. And, and actually, on that note, let's introduce one of our guests this week, which is Adam Brown from Australia. Hi there, Adam. G'day, Stuart. G'day, Darren. How are you doing? Really, really good. Thanks for coming on. You're, of course, a, a colleague of Matt Newman's too. I am. I, I don't wear a yellow suit, but uh, I, I <laughs> do probably good work thing. very closely with Matt. So, yeah. So, what do you do down there? Uh, well, I'm one of the directors of ISW, so we're an IBM premier partner that sort of focuses across the IBM software and infrastructure portfolio. So we do lots of Lotus, WebSphere, Rational, Tivoli, IM, and, and most recently, uh, Cognos. So that's Excellent. what we do. So you could wear the multicolored suit. Yeah, well, I, I, I threaten Matt that next Lotusphere I might wear a purple suit, but... Uh, <laughs> You get thrown out of the joint, I should think, for that kind maybe of Maybe just a purple tie. Maybe. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe purple underwear. Keep it hidden. 
Well, thanks for joining us today, Adam. Um, what time is it where you are? Uh, it's about a bit after 10 p.m. Oh, bless you. Well, thanks for joining us. I know you've been on vacation as well recently, so thanks for, for joining on the podcast, being with us today. Oh, also, also, we're joined by Joe Russo of IBM. Hi there, Joe. Uh, hello. Hello. I was going to say good morning. but Well, no, good morning's fine. Good morning's fine. So um, tell us what you do for IBM and what your connection is with the Lotus portfolio. Uh, sure. Um, I'm a designer on the Connections product. Uh, I've been a designer since the inception. Uh, I've been an employee here since uh, 97, uh, primarily actually as a developer on things like Quick Place, if you remember that. I do. Excellent. And, and so is there a specific part of the Connections product that you, you look after from a design um, perspective or is it across the board? Um, primarily, I'm, I'm in charge of communities, but um, I've had my hand in other areas, and because of the nature of communities and the fact that it consumes pretty much all the other applications, um, I do have my hand in pretty much all of it. Excellent. Well, again, thanks for joining us today. I think it's going to be a, a very interesting conversation. Now, I know that um, that Adam does a lot of work with connections as well, and so we'll be able to talk around that subject. And of course, that's the main news of this week. Uh, well, actually, I guess it was last week, really, in terms of Connections 301 being announced. It was announced on Tuesday, 5th of April, shipped later on that week. So, um, Joe, do you want to take us through what's significant about Connections 301? What are the new features that are in there? Uh, sure. Well, primarily, they were community features that we added. Um, and we added some capabilities. Uh, one of them is called ideation blogs, which is really about a brainstorming application that you can bring into your community. And I guess we can talk on more details. I'll just kind of rifle through the list quickly. Okay, here. sounds good. Uh, secondary uh, is a media gallery, so you can add um, video and audio to your community um, and, and have the kind of nice interaction of playing back the videos and what have you. Um, moderation in the community so that you can, uh, as an owner of a community, you can decide to uh, pre-moderate content so that things that uh, are added to the community have to go through moderation processing. And then also uh, there's a post-moderation capability where you can, users who are in your community can actually flag content uh, that needs to be uh, dealt with and it goes into this area where the owner then can moderate and make a decision about, um, you know, dealing with it or, or, or what have you. Um, also integration with ECM repositories so that you can start to use your uh, these, these kinds of systems to deal with files and have your community uh, leverage that capability. And then in general and across, a con across connections, a tighter integration with same time. So we've got uh, awareness with, uh, with uh, you know, the awareness icon and the ability to kind of uh, do chatting from the, from the web interface. Excellent. That's a, a pretty broad uh, set of new capabilities that are there. So, I mean, when the design team or the product management team are, are trying to pull together a new release, where do the requirements actually come from, Joe? Who kind of pulls those together and prioritizes them? Well, it, that's that's a good question. There's a lot of actual uh, different kind of channels for this to happen. I mean, first off, um, we've got a, a huge database where we collect requirements, both in discussing things with customers, um, feedback from showing them de demonstrations or just design things. Um, I meet with lots of customers that are under specific disclosures and show them specific designs. Um, you know, venues like um, Lola and Lotusphere, where we have uh, both the developers, meet the developers lab and the design lab. Uh, when we talk to customers, and then you know various kinds of engagements with customers, so we build up this database, and then we uh, you know we try to try to uh, gauge that against kind of uh, you know where we're trying to take the direction of the product, uh, what are the priorities, etc. And so what happens is we boil those down, and those become kind of the things that we want to act on and engage on, and as as we go forward. And and what? Hey Joe, oh, go ahead. Adam. Uh, 
I was just uh, interested, Joe. Obviously, with um, Connections Three, we saw the forum feature of communities be sort of promoted to a, I guess, a major feature in its own right. Can, can you see similar things happening around, like the me- media gallery, for example? Like, I can see that being a, a major feature in its own own sort of right outside of communities. I can say that we've talked about this, um, you know, in, in, in my mind, from a design perspective, and by the way, this by no means uh, implies a commitment that it'll show up in any kind of release in the near sure. future, but, and, but and uh, cer- <laughs> <laughs> certainly, um, certainly something like a media gallery might be very interesting as kind of a standalone application, or certainly, I think, uh, or primarily perhaps having that capability show up in someone's profile so they can kind of post uh, videos and, and images that they would like to share with the general uh, audience as opposed to a community where maybe a kind of a restricted audience and yeah. and at first when i saw the media gallery feature i went moseying around and i actually found the the file formats and at first my initial reaction was wow it's only like six or seven formats but then i actually for later on, I'm like, I looked at the file formats. I'm like, well, I wouldn't actually upload anything else that wasn't one of these six or seven. Um, so my first reaction was, oh, this is kind of not <laughs> very well thought out. And then my second reaction was, well, maybe I didn't really think this through when I was thinking that. So <laughs> obviously, we've got movies, we've got we've got pictures. Are there any plans for things like, I guess, sound files are probably the, the, the missing ones, right? Right. I mean, we haven't. You know, I'll be honest with you, that one's one that we haven't talked deeply about. We are, there's a little bit of hesitation there. Um, I think mostly around, you know, we just, we don't want to turn this into like Napster for the enterprise. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm thinking about a way to get our podcast on the IBM systems is actually what I was thinking. Right, I got you. I mean, I know, I I, I can tell you this story. When we first were doing the activities project in the way back, uh, and we started playing, and, and this is where we kind of first had the inception of making the entire interface available through Atom Feeds. Um, and so one of the things that we did as kind of an experiment was put an MP3 into an, uh, into an activity, and uh, voila, you could go to iTunes um, and actually uh, get that MP3 as a podcast because of the, because of the use of the XML um, uh, uh, capability there. So it, it's not like it's precluded, it's just that we don't have kind of I mean, I think the real thing here, right, is you can certainly put MP3s into into our file file systems. Uh, we just don't have kind of the the wrapper for the user interface around that, and it's just really been driven mostly because, um, well, because of what I mentioned. It's not that's not a primary uh, concern. I think the the big thing really is, you know, where was where was the most important uh, areas that we wanted to kind of exploit, and it turned out to be, you know, uh, photographs and video right now. And I know from personal experience, this has been requested a great deal. I've got some customers in the publishing industry, and they they really wanted a way of sharing, you know, um, uh, book covers and and really any kind of media that allows them to sort of explain the the concept they're talking about in a community. So it's fabulous. It's come through, and I, I can echo Adam's point in that. I think it it can be used in all sorts of different ways throughout connections, really, as time goes on. So that's great. I think it's a really good feature. And of course, one of the other ones that you brought in was Idea Blocks. So, do I talk through a little bit about what that allows you to do? I think it's about sort of encouraging innovation and discussions around um, new ideas. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, um, first of all, I'd like to put a little plug in here for my blog uh, that I, I, I co author with uh, Suzanne Livingston and David Brooks. It's uh, Synchronous. Uh, and I guess we could probably post this on the website so I won't spell it out. Yeah. Um, uh, but. Uh, uh, and I I just uh, posted a blog recently about ideation blog, 
Um, and uh, so the notion here really is about supporting brainstorming and, and what goes into, uh, you know, a group kind of a brainstorming activity. And, and basically, you know, it's a very simple pattern. And, and the reason we, and, and I guess I should throw in here, the reason that it's got blogs in there is because we've actually leveraged the blogs capability um, in connections to do this. So it's a separate kind of aspect of blogs. It only appears as a community capability, so you can't go to blogs and, and um, create an ide ideation blog. You need to do this through the kind of framework of a community. Uh, so what an ideation blog really allows uh, people to do is the owner can add this to their community just like any other feature that you can add to your community. Go to the widget palette, bulletin, etc. Um, then members and, and uh, community owners have access to this ideation blog. There's a widget that shows you you know, the most recent entries, which are ideas. So the idea would be here that people in the community contribute ideas. Uh, you know, they put a title and description. People can then comment and vote on the ideas. And there's a couple of things that are a little different than your standard kind of blogging experience. Uh, first of all, um, you know, the nomenclature. It's about ideas and commenting ideas and voting. Second, um, you can unvote. So if you vote on something and decide you really didn't like to vote on that, uh, you can remove your vote. Also, the owner has the ability to either allow voting to be completely open-ended, so you can vote on as many ideas as you like. You can only vote on one, or you can only vote once on a particular idea, but you can't, so you can't stack it. Uh, but uh, he can also limit uh, idea, uh, the idea of voting, so that you know the notion here is perhaps there's 10 ideas that are contributed, and he might give his users five uh, votes or something like that. So this is a way to kind of help get a ranking kind of feel for things. Um, and then the other aspect is that the owner controls kind of timing. And typically in brainstorming applications and brainstorming in general, you want to have kind of deadlines that just drive interest and also kind of, you know, draw a line in the sand of when you're going to stop doing a particular thing. So the uh, feature allows you, the owner to freeze idea creation. And, and so what that means is um, once it's frozen, new ideas cannot be contributed. People can still continue to read, comment, and vote. Um, and then finally, there's the ability to kind of freeze the entire thing so that further uh, voting is not allowed. Um, and and this kind of gets you to the kind of, you know, brainstorming is kind of an event where you can kind of process through that. And then finally, um, the owners themselves can kind of go through and look at the list of ideas and, and votes, and they can make a decision about graduating. And what graduating really means is um, they, they imply that they want to do something here. They think this has gotten enough kind of voting or popularity that, that they need to take some kind of action. So uh, graduating basically does two things. First, it marks the idea that it's graduated. And then the second thing it will do, if the owner wants to, uh, at the point of ag ag graduation, is turn that into an activity. So you'll get an activity in the community that's created that creates an entry. Uh, the entry is actually going to just be a copy of the metadata from the, or not the metadata, but the, the description from the idea. Um, and then they can kind of carry out and use the activities application to execute on the particular idea. I think, Joe, from from my point of view, I mean that's that's the real killer feature of it. It's you know being able to take an idea uh, through to an activity. I mean, I know that a lot of our clients, I know a lot of in, in our internal usage of connections, we often use uh, communities. You know, let's say for our software uh, business or for our marketing team or whatever it might be, and and they typically use a discussion forum to right. surface ideas and, and sort of comment on them and, and all of that. But then there's always disconnect from, from that uh, process through to then going in off and creating activities. So, so being able to take an, an idea through that sort of process of voting and discussing and, and you know, 
playing around with the idea to actually an activity, I think is an awesome feature. So that's, that's great. Yeah, thanks. I mean, this has come out of some thinking that's been going on for a while around transforming these kinds of objects. And this has been our first opportunity to kind of actually build that into the product. And what's really kind of neat about it, right, is it's a pretty lightweight kind of thing. The user or the owner decides to graduate something. Um, they get a light box that'll tell them, hey, you'll, you know, you're going to graduate the idea. You want to create an activity. Um, they click OK. An activity is instantiated. It's got the, you know, the description from the idea. It's actually got a link back to the, the original idea. And the idea itself actually will now have a link that says, you know, here's go to the activity for this idea. So we create kind of yeah. a, a, a crisscross of, of, of uh, information there. And, and then, as you said, right, it lets somebody kind of use the different um, application space to kind of carry out and, and, and leverage that feature to, uh, to, to kind of make progress on what they want to do. Yeah, I, I think it really highlights for me one of the key strengths of connections overall, and that is that it's the integration across all the different product, or all, all the different features, so blogs and wikis and profiles and activities, etc. You know, I, there's there's obviously a lot of other social software solutions in the market, and and we come across them all the time, but more often than not where I find connections can can win in that competition is where you can show that integration across, you know, so you search for somebody or you search for a topic and you, you find the blog entries and the bookmarks and the, the across this spectrum of the software. And I, I think that that's a, a real strength and I think that IBM, if they can continue that, it becomes a real differentiator rather than having a disparate blogging platform and a, a wiki platform and a microblogging and etc. Having that one integrated platform is is really the power, I think, of connections. So Yeah, well, yeah I agree. That's a unique selling point, right? Yeah, it is. You know, yep. I, I can get a blog from WordPress, I can get file sharing yep. from Dropbox, but there's exactly. no cross pollination, there's no integration. And, and I think that's that's the push is the more integration you get, the better the user experience is. But you've also got to be careful to make sure the user experience between the two different areas is not so disparate that they require extra training. And I think that's a thin line. Yeah. And I, I think yeah, it's, about, it's about the sort of serendipity as well is, is something we discuss a lot with customers is that you don't want to have to go looking for these things. You know, you need them brought to you. And so whilst standalone solutions, things like Idea Jam, a fantastic ideation uh, sort of <coughs> systems, you know, if, if you live and breathe in connections because that's where you go for your blogs and your profiles and everything, then it makes sense to bring all that into the one community. Yeah, and, and I guess to follow on that point, I want to, uh, there's a couple more things I want to say. I mean, since, since the inception of connections, right, we've, we've always had that business card for a person, and that's meant to be both a way for someone to discover someone and also a navigational pivot to connect them through something that's interesting to the person and to that person's uh, data that's kind of out there. Um, and in the, in the specific case of ideation blogs, um, these things, because they're part of kind of the blog application space, if a user goes and looks at current blog entries, um, any public communities or moderated communities that have an ideation blog, these blog entries will actually show up in that list. And so users can there see something interesting, right? And then just like in the community blog case, they can inspect that and then follow the thread and learn about the community and learn about the community's broader kind of purpose and interest area. That sounds good. It sounds a really good feature. So um, excellent for, for adding that. I think that's going to be very, very popular. We'll just have to maybe revisit it in sort of three or six months' time after people have got this into their environments and see how that's worked out for them. You mentioned earlier on as well, Joe, community moderation. Um, now, there's been some element of moderation in connections up till now, particularly around blog posts and so on. Do you want to talk us through what's been added with this new stuff in communities? 
Yes. So so really, this allows uh, allows a community owner to kind of have a little more control over the content that's showing up in their community as a whole. <clears throat> so so really, this is meant to apply everywhere. So if I turn this on for my community, even people creating forum topics and what have you will go into this moderation queue if I've so uh, you know configured it that I want to have kind of a pre-moderation state. Um, and this is really intended for those kind of you know Uber communities that have a very public face, and uh, they want and the uh, you know the people who are kind of shepherding it want to make sure that they stay on message, uh, make sure that there's not kind of offensive things showing up there, or perhaps even uh, you know things in, in case of uh, perhaps an environment where you know uh, people outside a particular company might be seeing things to make sure that uh, you know confidential information is not being uh, put out there and leaked or what have you. Um, and so this this is a pre-moderated state so that everything goes into this queue and then owners. Uh, can kind of go through the queue and, and decide to either um, accept something and allow it to be published or uh, send it back or just reject it. And then uh, on the other side of it really is just kind of post the post case where things appear and then individuals can, as they're looking at things, uh, you know, flag something that they think may, may not or should not be there either because of the various things that are already stated, like, you know, inappropriateness or offensiveness or uh, it's got information that's incorrect or... Uh, information that maybe shouldn't be shared to a wider audience. Okay, excellent. And um, next on, on the list you mentioned earlier on was in terms of integration with um, enterprise content management systems. And we, we've seen this previously in Quicker. That's been a real strength of the Quicker product is that you could have this kind of nice, fresh uh, social collaboration type environment for, for team working with a back end of a formal content management system. So you've now brought elements of that into connections. Can you talk us through why that's been done and, and then what that allows you to do? Sure. So, I mean, really, you know, if, if you're familiar with connections, we have the ability of, of dealing with files in, in the community. Um, but we wanted, to, you know, we heard a lot of customers talk about, you know, they've got these um, content management stores in the back end, these ECM systems, and um, they really want to be able to leverage those. So it's it's somewhat of a different take um, uh, than what we've got in the, in the files case where, you know, the file uh, store is kind of completely lifecycle tied to the community. Um, this is more like what we've done with the quicker scenario where you're tying into, well, I guess the quicker one is still the lifecycle tied, excuse me. Uh, but, but here what we're going to let you do is either, uh, you know, you'll have a lifecycle control so you can go and uh, your community ECM will then, uh, you know, go create um, a space out there. Uh, on the ECM, and then you know, use, users of your community can interact using that uh, capability, or uh, you can tie to an existing one. And so, what that means now is you can kind of leverage some, uh, you know, content store that's out there that may be important to your your, your user community. And there's kind of a, a couple of different use cases we're trying to cover here. Uh, one is, you know, there may be a set of materials that are part of the enterprise and the way they do business that might be tied to a particular community, and so you want to make those uh, resources available. Um, you know, there might be, you know, best practices or, you know, legal documents or what have you on how to operate. Alternatively, you may be creating communities like, for example, to, you know, make a, you know, to carry out some particular business process like a purchasing decision about maybe, um, you know, buying a company or what have you. And so there you've got a lot of requirements from a legal standpoint to actually persist certain kinds of documents in a space that, you know, live at a certain period of time that are, you know, legally available. So, here, what this allows you to do, right, is use the social capability and fabric of the community, use all the tools in the community, like activities and, and the forum and what have you, but then when you get certain products that you know that are kind of part of the business process, the user community can then put them into the repository that you've connected to your, your, your community, and therefore, you know, you've kind of met the kind of legal uh, business requirements of your, of your enterprise. 
Joe, it's certainly a, a discussion I, I frequently have with a lot of clients around, you know, what do we do with, with you know, we, we want to use files to collaborate and, you know, generate multiple versions and, and go through the life cycle of a document, but then we need to be able to put it into our content management system. I mean, for those clients that don't use FileNet or Content Manager, I mean, what are the plans there? To, are there any plans to sort of open that up? I mean, I'd love to see IBM open up a point of integration where we could integrate. I mean, there's so many content management systems available. IBM obviously aren't going to be able to do them all. You know, right. it would be nice to be able to open that up a bit so that partners like ISW or whoever can can do that for our clients. Yeah, certainly we've talked about that and and – uh, you know, that that's something that's going to be coming down the pike again. You know, as I said earlier, I can't make any promises as to what and when. <laughs> but that kind of extensibility is are the, is the kind of thing that we want to we want to definitely promote. And uh, it, it's it's not it's something we've discussed. Let's put it that way. Yeah. yeah. I saw a tweet about Documentum on that very subject this morning. People asking for that yeah. kind of integration. I guess that's that's the challenge with releasing these new features in many ways. Is it just kind of alerts people to other things they might want to do in the future too. So it's kind of a never-ending list of requests, I guess. So Joe, a lot of these things were um, were were mentioned at Lodesphere and, and I know Suzanne showed a number of them in her session. Um, do you get a feel from, from things like Lodesphere as to whether they're going to be successful? I mean, do you take a lot of feedback from, from customers and partners at, at Lodesphere? Oh, gosh, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, we spend a lot of time in, in the various labs um, meeting with customers. You know, people come in. Uh, in fact, Stuart, that's where I met you, I think, the first time face to face. That's right, yeah. Um, uh, you know, so we do a lot of that kind of thing. And sometimes, you know, we just, you know, we pull people in and kind of uh, either in the, depend, it's kind of regardless of their kind of knowledge of connections, we'll, we'll have them come in and do various kinds of interviews and studies in the, in the design lab. Um, and, um, and they can help influence the product that way. But we also have a lot of customers that come in that have specific areas of interest. And there we'll, you know, we'll take them through the product thoughts and ideas. And we kind of, you know, in the design side, we tend to try to come with a variety of things and talk about them and, and, and garner feedback. Um, also, there's an awful lot of kind of networking that goes on, as well as, you know, specific kind of focused meetings where we, we talk about things, we want to hear feedback. And, um, and, and so that, that has a huge influence on where we want to go. And we definitely, you know, we do a lot of preparation before we go to Lotusphere, uh, you know, amongst ourselves as well as kind of with the, the total direction of where we're trying to take the product. And we have to, you know, walk the fine line of the kind of things we want to talk about and direction we want to take, you know, because, you know, some of those things we can't really divulge. But we want to we want to make sure that we have kind of informed feedback. Um, and so we, we, we definitely, you know, do a lot of crafting around that to have those conversations and get that feedback and then take that and, and apply it, you know, apply it in, in what we do. So, so I've got a question. We, we're at 3.0.1 and with 3.0.1 we added some, some new features. Is this kind of a new step in its procedure? But are, are we now setting the expectation that 3.0.2 is going to have something net new, like the ideation blogs were new in, in point one? Yeah. I had, I had much the same question. I mean, a minor point release and there's all these fantastic features. It's, it's pretty awesome. I, I can't wait to see 3.1. <laughs> it sets quite a standard. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's not a good thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, you know, to be honest, right, you don't typically see that in a kind of a, a you know, a minor yeah. point release like this. I mean, this was, this was really, we were really trying to directly address, uh, you know, a set of feedback that we got from customers 
and kind of you know the next major release planning is is a little further out. So this kind of gave us a vehicle uh, in which to do this, and that's really uh, you know that that drives a lot of kind of what's going to happen and how we make how we make progress on that. I, it's I think it's really important. Like you you look at a lot of software nowadays in the you know Web two O world and that you know the mantra is you know release early, release often, um, and I think in order to be able to keep pace. You know, yeah, IBM has to. They they have to be able to release new features all the time. Right, absolutely. And I can tell you that you know this particular release was very interesting uh, from from the point of view of we had a very short runway in which to you know take some ideas that we had, um, you know, craft them into designs, get them in, implemented, and and really what was you know what happened in that space was, you know, of these things that we've kind of got cooking. Some of them were cooking around a little longer. Others were not. Um, and we kind of had to take, you know, the general idea and then, you know, there was a lot of very tight um, uh, communication with the development team and collaboration to kind of work through, you know, kind of here's what we can do. Yeah, if we had maybe six weeks to develop it, we could do it this way, but, you know, we've got three days. And so we had to be very creative in the way we did something. But I, in the long run, I think that's great because it allows us to kind of get to the core heart of particular features and deliver them in, in a timely fashion and in, in a cost-effective fashion, both from the point of view of the development team, you know, in terms of time, as well as customer point of view, because we're, we, you know, we, we tend to, you, know, you focus down on the core elements of a particular feature, look at that and say, is that, is that soup? And if it's really tight enough and good enough, um, then you put it out there. And that's really kind of the essence of, uh, you know, any kind of agile development. I think it's fantastic that, that we're seeing IBM, you know, use this agile development sort of um, you know, strategy to, to get this kind of stuff out, out so rapidly. It's tremendous to see it because it's something that I've been asking about, particularly since um, Connectors was released, is how are you going to keep up with the Facebooks of this world or some of the software as a service type offerings to make sure that, that you're staying current with some of these features. So one of the, the questions I had um, you know, pr prior to this release coming out was whether you'd be able to upgrade directly from 2.5s where a lot of customers are or whether you have to go to 3.0 first. Well, that's a great question. <laughs> and the nice thing is you can. I found out you know, a couple of weeks ago is, is that you made that possible to, to go directly from 2.5 um, rather than as you would do with Domino where you'd have to go to the 0.0 release and then you know, forward. So it's, it's, it's a really nice way of, of getting up to date. So Adam, you know, can you talk to some of your cust um, Connections customers? Have you got customers that have upgraded to 3.0 yet or are people uh, yeah, well, to 3.0.1? No, well we do have, we've got clients across 2.5, 3.0 and, and just as of about a week ago, uh, 3.0.1, I was actually in the middle of a 3.0 upgrade and um, when IBM announced the 301 was released and so I had the, the call from the client very quickly, oh, can we do 301? So I'd sort of done the, I'd done half the upgrade to 30. And so what really could possibly I, go wrong, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'd sort of done the, the bulk of the 30, so, you know, I'd migrated the database and all of that. So then, so then it was, so I kind of did the 25 to 30 to 301 um, because, because I was sort of halfway to 30. So, I thought that was the safest path. But, I, um, I, I, you tweeted about it, and I think I said you were the world's first. Yeah. And I think you said yeah, that well, it, on vacation. I literally downloaded the software. So in, I think it was on the Thursday US time, which was sort of Friday morning our time. And uh, yeah, downloaded it and, and was into it. So um, yeah, look, it was pretty smooth. It was, it was no real complexity. You know, you just sort of had to um, 
run some database scripts to upgrade the database and and um, and then with connections three for those that haven't done it yet a lot of the installations done using the um, IBM's in install manager which is a, a rational tool and a lot of IBM products are going down that path now and it, and it makes a lot of this stuff a lot easier as far as rolling up rolling back um, so certainly comparing to like the the two zero and then two five was a major leap as far as how much easier it was to, to implement connections and then with three it was easier again. So um you know, it's sort of gone are the days that you have to make sure that the sun doesn't have any solar flares at the particular time that you press the install button. I just want to add a plug to the development team there because I know that they worked very hard to make all those kinds of installation issues. Uh, you know, to to really to, to make that as simple and as quick as possible. And I know that there's been an awful lot of uh, sweat and tears uh, poured into that particular effort. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, I, I the particular upgrade I was doing was on an Oracle database, and I know very little about Oracle, and and it was quite easy for me to to go through the process. So, so it was good. And actually, that that brings us on to one of the things that wasn't really highlighted in the uh, announcement letter for 301, which is that it supports two new versions of the databases. So Oracle 11G is supported now, as is SQL Server 2008, which is a really big deal for a lot of the customers that I work with. So, uh, so it's good to it's good to see advancements in all sorts of areas. So, Adam, how do you feel about connections? I mean, I, I've seen a lot of tweets from you about work you've been doing with connections. Do you feel it's it's really gaining traction in the market? Yeah, it is, without a doubt. Like, we're sort of, um, yeah, it's interesting. We've invested in, in lots of different products over the years and, and you sort of, you know, in the early days you take a bit of a punt as to whether or not the product's going to get traction because if, if it does, you know, you want to be sort of leading the pack, I guess. And so we invested heavily into connections when it was sort of connections to two zero in reality. Um, and... Look, it's it's been awesome. It's it's really getting a lot of traction. And and the interesting thing I find is that you, you get a whole cross section of clients. You you get um you know, we've got, you know, international companies with, you know, ten thousand users to clients, you know, small businesses with forty users, um, all using connections. And and, you know, across different industries, you know, one's a racehorse transport company, one's a a, uh, a truck manufacturing and distribution company. One is a uh, education. You know, others energy utilities. Um, you know, it's 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 a huge cross section of industries. And and the interesting thing about it is that they all come at it from a different angle. You know, every time you sort of go and present the uh, the business value of something like connections to a client, they seem to um, come at it from a different angle. You know, some of them just want to start with profiles and they just want to have a centralized corporate directory and, and it's as simple as that. Um, others, you know, want a blogging platform or a wiki platform or, or whatever it might be. But and, th and they all use them for sort of different case use cases, which is really interesting. So it, it is. And I think a lot of it's driven from uh, the groundswell of social software, you know, out there. You know, we, we've got a few... Um, I guess, you know, competi competing products that, that probably get a bit of traction quicker. Um, I guess, like, I'll give you an example, like, you know, Yammer, for example, um, 
very quickly can become viral in an organisation, but typically the way it starts is, um, you know, a couple of people sign up for it and then they invite their colleagues and off it goes from there. And so it's software as a service, so off they go. But then what we find is that they get to a certain critical mass where they're looking for more enterprise capability, more, more integration, a more complete social business suite. And that's where we... We lost Adam. Yep. Oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> Very good point. It was making too. Hopefully he'll come back. So, I mean, Darren, do you, do you echo what Adam was saying in terms of the traction it's gained in the US? Do you see customers that are using it? Yes, but, but I think we see a, a bit of a standoffish approach, ma mainly because no one likes to use a 1.0 software. Only very few people like to use a 2.0 software. And then we start to see the growth at the, at the end of the 3.x lifecycle, right? You see that's all the time with software, despite what the vendors... The vendors may say it's, you know, Internet Explorer 4, but it's really Internet Explorer 1, for example. So, you know, we, we start to see the growth. And, and, I, and I think it's going to start to percolate out. You know, we hear a lot that it's, it's the, the, the fastest-selling organic IBM product ever. And, and I always have an issue with that because I'm not sure what other organic products have ever had apart from DB2. So, you know, it's kind of hard because of all of the market and mumbo jumbo to, to kind of really put your feel out and say, is, is this really a top selling product in, in the brands? Which my feeling is it probably is, but there's really no proof around that. And, and again, this goes back to a long drawn out conversation about IBM and the lawyers kind of idea. Um, so, so it's, it's always hard to get a handle on it, but I, I do echo Adam, it is a very disparate cross-section of customers, which I think boards very well for a piece of software that ha has that flexibility. And it kind of smells a lot like Domino in that respect on the early days, right? Anybody, and everybody would install Domino and find their own unique use case for it. And, and I think Connections has maybe kind of formalized that in, hey, look, here's eight or nine kind of sort of related applications that you know, this this is really what you were looking for all of them years, and I think the social software aspect has has kind of kicked that off. And, and IBM running this for three hundred and fifty thousand employees, I think, at least gives them a head start at, at the super end, super size end of a market. You know, I'm we, we unlike Adam, we have a, a pretty torrid time selling at the forty person companies just just because it's a, a, a difficult sell at that end of the business right now. Um, Lotus Live may take care of that, but I want to I want to you know, commend IBM because I think all of the connections versions are still in support, right? I think version one has dropped off. I think certainly two and above are, are still in support. I don't know whether Joe's got a feel for that. But, but my, my main point there was every time a fix comes out, you see the fix list covers literally yeah. every release from 2.0 all the way up to 3.0.1. And, and that must take, you know, some source code management there. So impressive IBM. And, and, you know, going back to what you were saying about the justification of whether it's success or not, I think looking at the, the surveys and the research and so on that some of the analysts put out, I think there's no doubt that it's kind of, you know, Microsoft, IBM, uh, Jive and probably Social Tech's up in that top sector and with, with a lot of other pretenders that are there as well. So I think, 
whether it's selling in the kind of numbers that we associate with Domino ever selling in, you know, in, in the terms of you know, millions and hundreds of millions of users, I'm sure it's not there yet. But in terms of um, that ever-growing social um, enterprise 2.0 sector, I think it's definitely doing very, very well against the opposition. So I, I think IBM's probably justified in using some of those terms it's used, but perhaps it would be great to quantify that at some stage. But I'm, I'm guessing that's, you know, secret information that's not going to be shared. Well, and, and the other thing to look at is, you know, in these early days of any type of, of new technology ground shift, you know, the, the last man standing or the last five men standing really take the riches. And I think yeah. that's what, you know, IBM have very deep pockets. Microsoft have very deep pockets. Um, you know, Jive, you would guess, have, have some pretty big backing. So, you know, I think the big players are going to just sit there and, and eventually take over the market because that's how these things play out. I think uh, I'm back, guys. I, I don't know what happened there. Sorry, but uh, um, I think one of the things that I'm finding interesting as well is that where we're selling connections, it's not necessarily uh, the traditional Lotus customers. That you know, there's a. I, I'm just thinking off the top of my head of the various clients we're working with, and I'd suggest that at least fifty percent of them would be non-Lotus. You know, clients that don't use Notes and Domino, clients that don't use Portal. Um, and so, you know, that's that's pretty exciting stuff because we're breaking into a, a market that, that we don't necessarily operating. So, so it's good. I, I would agree with that. And I think this is where the name change is going to further accelerate that, actually. That's right. And, of course, you know, we didn't mention it on this episode, but it's now IBM Connections 301. So, you know, we've lost the Lotus moniker from the, uh, from the product name as part of this yeah. release as well. So does that mean this is the last time we'll ever be talking about it? <laughs> I doubt it very much. I'm slightly worried about my blog, actually. LotusConnectionsBlog.com, I think, is going to need a change at some stage. Yeah, it's, it's a funny thing. You know, I, I think back to like you know, a decade ago when I was you know, well, selling a lot more Notes and Domino. And I'd go to a client and say, you know, well, with this product, Lotus Notes and Domino. And they go, oh, no, 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 we don't use one, two, three. <laughs> and, and now it's like almost like you go to a client and you say, well, you know, IBM Lotus Forms, or which is now IBM Forms, or, or IBM Lotus Connections, and they're like, oh, no, 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 we don't use Notes and Domino, and it's like, it's it's an amazing <laughs> thing. It's it's you know even a, a decade ago when you were promoting, well, not as far as necessarily as a decade ago, where people would say, you know, one, two, three, you know, it's Lotus is an incredibly incredible brand, really, and it really has survived through a lot of changes. So you know, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, obviously, the approach at the moment is to to brand IBM and I mean ISW operates as a as a cross brand partner. So for us, it's you know we we don't mind. It's fine. Um, and, and if anything, we we think the IBM brand's incredibly strong. And and you know part of connections, of course, is and a part of the area that we're sort of doing a lot of focusing at the moment is is integration with some of the other products. So. You know, we've got integration with, with Cognos 10 now and we've got integration with Rational Team Concert. And so it's really exciting, I think, being able to explore all these other uh, avenues uh, with connections. So what's um, the use case behind having RTC, Rational Team Concert, connected? I understand yeah. the Cognos, but what's, what's the use case around RTC? Well, it's all about, it's all about um, I guess, collaborating with your colleagues. So, so you know, in Team Concert, somebody might... Um, request a new feature um, and you, you can obviously hook in with the, the profile uh, business cards to, to see that person's details. 
um, people can create an activity straight from a, um, a, a feature in Team Concert and it goes out and creates an activity that has a leak back into Team Concert. So, so it's, it's nice integration. You know, I think a lot of it to date is, um, is reasonably surface layer sort of stuff. You know, it's obviously using the API, the connections API to do a lot of this stuff. Um, which, which is awesome and it shows you the power of what you can do with the API. And yet again, that's a feature where connections is, is doing really well. Um, but you know, there's so many, you know, different opportunities of leveraging connections as almost like the pivotal point for how people collaborate and communicate. So. Yeah. So, so let me be bad cop for a second then. So yeah. I'm, I'm an avid believer that the vitality of a product is directly tied to the vibrancy of its ISV market. Where are the ISVs for connections? Well, yeah, it's a good point. I mean, I, I, I know that I've personally considered um, – I mean, you've got some. You've got guys like um, El Guji, of course, that have taken their idea jam and, and integrated it to a degree with connections. Um, you know, I've thought about how we could build our own features um, – that sit alongside the connections features, um, we, as, we, as, ex, as yeah. extension points. And like, you know, we, we've done certain integration as well, leveraging the API. So like, you know, our, our sales teams live and breathe in a, a notes domino application called, um, opportunities. It's one of just an internal custom system. And so we've integrated that into connections so that whenever they, you know, update, um, an opportunity they can choose to update their status at the same time. And, you know, so there's a lot of that, but you, you're absolutely right. I think that, you know, the more open this stuff is, and, and I sort of go back to the comment before around the, um, you know, ECMs and, and content managers being able to open that up so that partners or um, ISVs can, uh you know, integrate directly themselves. I think the more open, the better. And I, I think, you know, we, we've looked at it as well, Adam, in, in terms of we, we've done a lot of customization integration work bespoke for customers and, and whether we can productize that. And the challenge is always, is there a market out there? Are there enough people that are using connections? Because it's not like developing for Domino's, say, where you can develop a black box solution, a bit like Idea Jam, where you can sell it as a solution that really you don't need to mention the fact it's Domino-based until that's you know, particularly relevant for the customer. I don't think you can do that with connections in the same way because it is you know, a fairly complex product that you wouldn't necessarily implement just for one particular use case. So what, what we're really talking about developing is, is either apps that sit on other platforms, whether it's iOS or Android or whatever, or it's, um, you know, particular bundles of functionality that the the main product doesn't contain. But then the, the challenge there is always, oh, IBM going to develop that same functionality at a later release. So one of the areas we've yeah. looked at is analytics, which we'd love to do because it's not there today. But IBM is clearly looking at that for the future with the number of analytics companies they, they purchased and, and are working with. So it's, it's, it's kind of difficult to know where companies like yours and ours can really fit around that kind of ISV solution based on connections. Mm. Mm. And and that's really really my question is uh, is this one of the new breed of software, a, a bit like the closed software as a service solutions, aka anything that's not Salesforce because Salesforce has done a pretty good job of extension points, that that today we are in the mechanism where 
this is the platform you have. You can change the look and feel, and you can add new tabs to make it look like your integrations are there, but really integrate at your own risk. And what I'm thinking here is specifically like iNotes. No one in their right mind would ever customize iNotes because it's just insane. Is this now supersized to the point where we have an entire application platform, which I think is what Connections is, but we can't develop applications on said platform? Yeah, I mean, I think that I think they could make you know, IBM could make it easier. There's there's no doubt of that. But I I think it's certainly possible to build. I mean, really, you're talking about building a WAS application. I mean, Connections is a is a web through application, um, and you know, I think building a, a an application or a feature. So you know, blogs is a feature, and wikis is a feature, and 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 I'm sure there's opportunity there to build additional features. You know, it'd be interesting. I think that if 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 an ISV came out there and brought out a a feature that sat at that same level, um, it, you know, I I I don't know that IBM would would necessarily go and compete with that. I think that if they saw that there's someone had met that space, and I mean, who knows? I I don't know, but but um, I think that you know, if if an ISV did that. I mean, probably the, the main thing that holds us back is really understanding what the market opportunity is. I mean, you, you're right, Stuart, you know, with Notes and Domino, you know, there's 100 million users there. So, so it's a huge audience. And connections is obviously a, a very, a very much a growing market, but, but how big? I, I don't know. Um, so I guess as an ISV, you, you do sort of question how much you can invest in that. Having said that, though, if you could build it in a manner that it's a standalone product that runs on WebSphere, or runs on you know a J2E application server um, that so happens to integrate nicely with connections as well. Well, maybe you'd have something. That's a very time will tell. Indeed, we'll only know as we come back and look on this in in six months or twelve months' time. Mm. So, Joe, just to conclude that the piece around connections design, um, something I'm always interested by is 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 how do you put together a design for a social collaboration tool like this? It's not like your traditional collaboration tools like Notes uh, has been in the past. You're really competing with software as a service offerings. We've mentioned some of those, some of those kind of prosumer type social tools that are out there on the web. So, are they your influence, or are you looking elsewhere? For influences to your design uh, well the, well the first I want to say I was itching to I'm itching to say things on the past conversation that was a great conversation um, just I can't yeah Jim <laughs> okay <laughs> no one listens sure you can well no no it's it, it, I think that's a good thing that I can't that can tell you something um, so so um, in terms of influence I mean there's a lot of different things and we look to we look to everything to help influence uh, the way we do things uh, because you know from a design perspective what we're trying to do really is you know, meet the essence of a use case that we feel is is really important to meet, and so we'll we'll kind of boil down personal experiences and what have you. I can tell you that connections, you know, we you know, we have direct competitors, right? So we hear a lot of feedback from customers, in particular, about you know a particular offering that a competitor may have, and you know we kind of you know look at that, examine it, we we you know we 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 look at it in terms of what are the strengths of connections, what are the things we're trying to do, what are the design centers that we're trying to promote, and, and attacking it from that point. Um, but the other side of it, right, is even though we don't directly compete with things like Facebook, uh, for example, um, it is an, it, those things do raise an expectation level for the kinds of experiences that we have to give. And so here, um, you know, we, we need to make sure that we meet that. And, and I think 
there's an important point to be to be made there, right? And it's not that we're trying to look at Facebook and be cool or what have you, or look at some kind of interesting piece of software that's out there that has you know the current buzz or what have you, and trying to kind of mimic that. But rather, you know, these a lot of these tools are becoming kind of the common um, a common channel of communication. Um, you know, like you know, if you go into the enterprise 30 years ago, email was this new kid on the block, and you know, people had a lot of uh, you know fear over email. And but the new kind of the new kind of generation that came in, you know, email was kind of an expected tool to have. And so, if you were in an enterprise that had a poor email facility, uh, you were kind of left without a particular channel that you were used to. And it's it's you know that's a that's a that's a it's it's a difficult thing because you're behaviorally attuned to it. And what we're seeing now, right, is that people are so much using these other kinds of tools as part of their daily communication that we have to kind of make sure that we always meet that standard because it's not it's not about what's cool and interesting. It's about this is an expected tool that I have at my in my arsenal, and this is how I communicate with people. Um, and so so that plays a huge influence on what we do as well. That's great, and of course, what one of the differences I I think is that. You know, we've gone from maybe 10 years ago, most people thinking that um, users needed training on IT products. So you would go to training for Excel or 123 or, or Notes. You know, I've done a fair amount of Notes training in my day for users. To, um, you know, social collaboration tools like Connections where the expectation is they will just be intuitive and users will get them with, with very limited training. Do you see this being a reality? And if so, how, how do you kind of focus on making it that easy to use? It's absolutely a reality, and and I think, you know, one of the things that we try to do to make it easy to use is a lot of the design center of the product is not about driving somebody to a particular UI that we've developed, but rather that you know by the you know just the nature of the the name of the, the product, right? Connections. It's this kind of glue that's in between things, and so as a result, it's got to be able to surface in a way that users can discover, and they can kind of easily learn it, and so. You know, we've tried to do that, um, and, and that's, you know, that's a challenge to, to continually do that, to kind of give a certain amount of focus to your product, but not so much that you dominate something, but rather be there when people expect it and need it, and, and they can learn it. Um, and so there we, you know, we're just trying to follow, you know, very basic standards, which is not overly complex things, you know, minimize the amount of clicks that require a user to get to a certain thing, give them discovery, but do it in a way that's not kind of in their face. So I guess, Joe, that also applies to mobile access. You know, we talk very much about the web interface for connections, and I guess that's still how maybe 90% of users access it. But but we're all talking about, you know, the, the mobilization of the workforce and things like the iPads and, and, you know, Android tabs and so on going forward. At the moment, Connections has a pretty impressive mobile web UI, um, but many people are looking for native apps as well. Where do you see this going uh, in terms of people accessing uh, Connections from, from mobile devices in the future? Uh, <laughs> this, is a, this is a sensitive topic only because I know there's a lot of work that's going on currently in this space. Um, I mean, I, you know, I, think, I think we've heard loud and clear that mobile is an extremely important thing. Um, in fact, I had tweeted about a, a very interesting uh, set of information around mobile, and some ridiculous statistic I can't recall was something like 80-something percent of all uh, Internet searches are, are initiated from a mobile device. Um, and so I think those kinds of statistics really tell us you know, what's, what's happening with that device and how people are expecting it to play in you know, the general infrastructure of, of tools and, and, and you know, interfaces. And software as a service. So I think what we've got to do, right, is we've got to we've got to make sure that we, you know, we, we give, you know, this vast uh, amount of use 
we give them the kind of tools they expect, right? And so, so I guess what I'm saying here is, you know, there's aspects of native applications that, you know, we've got to engage in uh, to, to leverage what we've already built in the rich web experience for, for mobile devices. And, and I can and tell you that, you know, that's, what, that's kind of the things that we're working on right now. I always like to ask the question, if, if, if I use connection tools disconnected, am I really being social? <laughs> but the thing, I mean, that's that's the thing, isn't it? Is is that you know, being social so much these days means being online, whether you're on Twitter or Skype or wherever it might be, you know, on on connections. But there are still situations where you do need disconnected access. You know, when you're um, you know, on an airplane, for example. So I guess that's one of the questions. Adam, maybe you can take this. Is is do you see a need for for disconnected access and mobile access to connections? Yeah. Well. We do, Stuart, yeah. Like, I know that I, well, I might as well tell you here now. Like, if you've, you've all heard of Wildfire, a lot of your listeners would have heard of Wildfire, which is the uh, uh, Notes 8.5 sidebar app that ISW published on OpenNTF I think Matt, a while back now. I think Matt and, uh, mentioned it a couple of times. <laughs> Just a few. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're we're about probably two or three weeks away from releasing what we're going to call iWildfire for connections. So it's a Yay. it's a native iOS app that runs on iPhone and iPad, um, and for, for connections. So you know it's going to allow people to um, update blogs, uh, create bookmarks, access their bookmarks, search bookmarks, access files, upload files. Search across profiles. The the aim when we started designing it was every feature that the API allows us to do, we want to do. Um, so yeah, that's there you go. You heard it here first on this week in Lotus. Wonderful. Um, probably it'll be out in the app store in May. That's so nice. you know why have we done it? Well, we've done it because we're nice guys and we like to do stuff like this, <laughs> um, just like wildfire. But um, I guess. It's interesting, you know, because since I've got obviously a beta of the app on, on my iPhone and on my iPad, and it is really useful. Um, I find that I'm interacting with connections more through the iPhone app than I am through a browser. Um, and it's really handy to be able to um, to do that. You know, I can be, you know, wh wherever I am, where I've got my phone, I can be seeing what's going on, getting status updates from different people or or if I want to access a file, I can access a file. I mean, a really cool use case recently was I wanted to do a, um, a presentation that I knew was in connections. I plugged my iPhone into a VGA adapter, um, go into the app, access my file, search for the file, bang, got it. Now you're just so showing off. <laughs> yeah, well, it was awesome, and I find that it makes me more social because it's easier to um to be part of the network. And as that's far as the key. Disconnected access, yeah, what? well, I guess disconnected access. I mean, if you if you're mobile, well, you you're disconnected less. Um, I mean, this last week, you know, I was on holidays in the east coast of Tassie, and I was in a particular place where I didn't really have access and and didn't really want access. Um. But if I wanted to, I could have, you know, still access people's profiles or access those files that I've I've downloaded locally. Um, but being mobile, you know, more often than not, we're we're connected. So, and I think yeah. that's what gets gets lost here is 
yes, browser applications are very nice, but native applications are probably more likely to be used because it's one click as opposed to open browser, find the favorite, log in, off I go. And I think yeah. Adam's just give the perfect use case there is I am now using it more because it's on my hip and it's a native app. Yeah. Look, I, I find that I haven't used the, um, the, my, the mobile web UI that much. I've used it when I've really wanted to but not because it was there and it was easy. Um, I know that we've got a few clients that are, are very excited about the, the iPhone app um, and, and they're already sort of trialing it and playing around with the beta for us, which is great. So, yeah. And um, on that, have you worked out costs for that? Is that going to be a free app or has that got a Well, it, it's something we're debating, you know. Like the first version I think will be free. Um, okay. And so that's going to provide like access to profiles and status updates and blogs and, and bookmarks and files. And then I think that, you know, I don't know, if we, we could be convinced just to leave it as free, um, but we might have some more advanced features um, that we might charge it, you know, just a humble few dollars. But look, honestly, I, I don't expect that we're going to make, you know, bazillion dollars out of it. It's something that we've done... Yeah, as a research project, we've we've done it um, to show the capability of the API. We've done it because you know we're learning. Yeah, you know, the next thing, the guys are, are biting at the chain to, you know, for me to let them have a crack at Android. You know, a lot of the guys have got Android phones in our business, and um, and they'd probably much rather be doing it for that. But I, I made them do the iOS first because I have one. So, <laughs> Good Dude, you, it's Adam. IT. Do as I say, not as I do. (laughs) But the first version, Stuart's going to be free. And then, um, you know, we might have an upgrade um, to some more advanced features that might cost, you know, three or four dollars. Yeah. And will that connect to any uh, connection system or is that just limited? Yeah, yeah, connect to any and, in fact, connects to multiple. So you can connect to, you know, your public networks like um, Greenhouse or... Uh, whatever you like, or or if you've got multiple communities you connect to, you connect to them as well. All the, the IBM one ones. We're... Yeah, yeah. Um, the one thing that we're sort of uh, thinking about, I guess, for for version two or one point oh one, is whether we start. You know, one of the great things about Wildfire is the fact that you can integrate with multiple social networks. You know, it's one of the reasons why people like it is that they can update their status across connections, Twitter, um, Facebook, LinkedIn, etc. And we, we haven't done that yet with iWildfire. It's very much just connections. But, uh, you know, I think that we might look at how we can do that um, down the track. Well, that's great. I'm really impressed with that, Adam. I look forward to, to seeing a copy of that um, app sometime in the near future. It's great. So a couple of quick things to finish off with. We're running out of time as per usual on This Week in Lotus. Um, first up, there was uh, some more on the Lotus rebranding. Now, we've mentioned already on this podcast that uh, Lotus Connections is becoming IBM Connections and the sort of Lotus brand is being deprecated that it's never been formally announced. That's the case. Well, James Governor of um, Red Monk, uh, who's been on this podcast in the past, um, blogged a couple of days ago that um, Mike Rodin had told him at Impact that um, there was a reason for that was that wherever a product contained multiple brands that that would become an IBM branded product rather than being a, a you know, legacy brand like uh, Lotus for example. So Darren, what, what was your opinion on this? Does that kind of make sense to you as a, a rationale for doing this? Flag on the plate to use an American term. I think he's making this up. 
<laughs> who James is or, or no, Mike is? Mike, I think Roden's making this up, and it's it's a good story, and it kind of sort of makes sense when you think about it. Um, but the long and the short of it is, IBM makes the lion's share of their revenue off services now, and so they need to get the big services jobs like portal connections and forms out of Lotus because. You know, no one's buying it if it's in Lotus. That's why it's being renamed. And they're yanking it out. So the big money deals, be it software or services, more likely services these days is where, where the big money is. They're pulling that out and they're calling the IBM to get past the people that say, like Adam said earlier, we don't have notes. We don't have one, two, three. You know, I hate Lotus. It sucks. Whatever. It's all about that and it's all about shareholder value so they can increase either the sales or the revenue from services. It's as simple as that, but it is a good story. I'll give him. He should have done this on April the 1st. <laughs> Adam, any thoughts? Oh, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm pretty agnostic to the debate. I, I, I don't really mind. I, I think that, you know, I love Lotus and, you know, Matt Newman, hey, he's a yellow man. Um, he loves it as well. But I think we all realize that IBM's bigger than just that. And, um, you know, I, I love IBM just as much. So... I, I have no problem with it. I, whether this whole thing makes makes sense, well, I'm not a marketing genius. I'm sure there's some very clever marketing people that are, are driving it. So, At yeah. IBM? Well. We've been looking at two different IBMs. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> Just wondering what Bob Picciano and uh, Alistair are going to be singing at Lotus Fair next year. It's not going to be, I'm a Lotus man, is it? It's going to be something else. I'm an IBM maybe. Um, <laughs> I think it's a bit of a generalization. I think it's difficult because, you know, like, you know, there's going to be some products that don't meet that criteria, um, but that doesn't mean that they shouldn't be IBM branded. And, and the problem in many ways is there aren't any products that aren't cross-brand anymore. You know, even if you look at Domino, when you buy a Domino, you get TDI as part of that entitlement. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of, if you, if you stick to that very rigid um, yeah. you know, rationale, I think it's pretty difficult to just Well, anything. almost everything. You know, you look at Cognos, well, it can run on, it runs on WebSphere. You look at a lot of the Tivoli tools uh, run on, you know, Tim and Tam yeah. run on WebSphere and uh, the Rational tools run on WebSphere. So you could argue that pretty much everything meets that criteria. And, and um, to stroke Stuart's ego, Stuart has a post on this that's linked in the show notes. It's one of the best posts I have read in a long, long time. And he did not pay me to do this. And this <laughs> I didn't. was not his fee to come back and rescue the podcast. <laughs> I, th- I, think it's, I think it would be a, sh- a shame, though, to not have product names. I think the, the, the trend to sort of call these products things like, you know, IBM Collaboration or... You know, I, I don't know what, but I, I don't think that's great. I think that, you know, you still got to have names like connections yeah. um, so that people can refer to them. And as much as anything, so that people can search for them. You know, yeah. whenever IBM has gone to these long sort of Lotus Instant Messaging names, yeah. it's, it's really tough to find information on them because they're so generic. Yeah. I think where there yeah. are particular names like quicker, they're very much easier to find. Yep. Okay, and last thing on the list um, is the latest numbers for IBM came out, I think, this week. The Q1 numbers came out. Uh, Lotus has, has gone up a little bit, gone up 1%, I think, on a year-on-year. Year. Uh, other brands within the software group have gone up even more. WebSphere has gone up by 50% year-on-year. Year. It's just astonishing numbers. This week in WebSphere, baby, I'm telling you. 
<laughs> so um so if you're interested in seeing some of those um we've got a link in the show notes uh Volker Weber has also jumped in as well on, on why maybe it looks like Lotus is underperforming but it might just be about the way the financials are assigned to the different business units versus actually the, the reality of, of sales but and I have it on good authority that Volker is correct yeah, we've had some discussions on it in the past, so it'll be interesting to see whether there's a response from IBM on that, but maybe it doesn't matter, maybe it's just the financials and, and that's what they are and, and it has no real implications on how customers use the products at the end of the day. It's just interesting to, to see how the business is doing as a whole. And the rebranding fixes this because it's all just IBM software. Yeah. And actually, the IBM Software Group numbers are pretty good. You know, if, if you look at Software Group as, a, as an identity with all those brands within it, it's, it's doing pretty well. You know, so everything F was up, X series was up, power was up, Z was Z was up quite a lot. Yeah. So, so congratulations. Apparently they're doing swimming right despite what we argue about every week. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so. Okay, so that's the end of our news for this week. Uh, we've battled through that fairly quickly. So as, as ever, we ask our panellists who come on the show to suggest a tip. It might be a product, a, um, a site, uh, you know, a tip to do with their, their own product they work with. So, um, Darren, do you want to kick us off? What's your tip for this week? I was going to reuse last week's because it really has changed my life. So go listen to last week's and look at the tip because it's the best <laughs> thing ever. And it was useful. I came up with a useful tip. If, the, only, this, this, if only if it was available for Mac, then I'd be really happy. Well, the, but it's Microsoft, so you can, <laughs> you're not going to do that. Um, but my real tip is, is go ahead. A lot, of, a lot of organizations I see don't have same time installed, even though they're entitled to it. Uh, I've been fighting with one client for, for a couple of years who swore down they didn't need it. And, and we installed it probably about six months ago and have slowly got people on it. And we had a big series of tornadoes and storms in Georgia a couple of weeks ago. And the same time server went down. And, oh, my God, you think the end of the world had happened because they couldn't all get on at the same time. It's amazing how many people that don't use same time actually need same time to be up 24-7. <laughs> Excellent, and, and and as you say, it's entitled. You know, why wouldn't you use it if you already have um, have Domino licenses in place? It makes sense to to make the most of that. Yep. So, Adam, can you tell us your tip? Sure, I'll uh, just have another plug for iWildfire. So look out for it in the uh, Apple App Store coming sometime in May, and and just for uh, this week in Lotus offer, the first twenty people that message me uh, with the hashtag of iWildfire. On Twitter, you can I'll, I'll send you a beta copy, uh, but because that was really just a player, <laughs> um, I'll give you a second tip. So I'll just have a call out for the Oz Slug uh, Lotus and, and Lotus Week in Sydney, which is the August twenty second to Friday the twenty sixth. So it's the first inaugural Australian Lotus user group. So keep an eye out for that, and uh, should be should be an awesome event. Um, you know, I think Darren mentioned this on the on last week's podcast when he was talking about it with Matt. I, we're just, you know, so um, impressed at the fact this is being got off the ground. I think it's a great effort by those of the those folks in Australia, and I think there's a real need for a user group out there. So, just trying to find a rationale for actually getting out there myself. There's got to be a business justification for going to Australia for Oslug. We'll you need to test to out Qantas. <laughs> Maybe that. <laughs> so, thank you for that, Adam. That's a good tip. Uh, Joe, what's your tip? Uh, well, I have a couple here, but I'd like to put a tip into Adam. Do I have to fight with the 20 to get a beta of the uh, wildfire? Well, if you're getting real quick, no one's heard yet. So <laughs> I'm on that list as well, please, Adam. And then, uh, three of them have already been taken. And then put a plug in. How, how long does it take to publish, Stuart? Another hour or two? Yeah, mm -hmm. at least. Yeah. <laughs> and then put a plug in for me so I can get a trip out to Australia uh, for Lotus Week. 
Um, yeah. Cool. Uh, so, so my tips are um, first. Um, we talked earlier about the integration with ECM, but basically that um, you get a, there's kind of an added bonus if you've installed the quicker connectors, and that is you get round trip editing, so you can actually uh, you know click a document uh, from the ECM and it'll open and you can uh, you know edit it and then uh, save it, and when you do it'll just uh, get checked into the uh, ECM uh, kind of all automatically for you. And then my other tip is uh, another shameless plug for synchronous. Uh, you know, if you really want to have some, uh, you know, influence on what we do in connections in particular, uh, really go out there and comment. Uh, there's a lot of stuff out there, and we really do pay attention to, uh, you know, what what kind of commentary we get there. Excellent. We do appreciate that blog. I know, um, you know, all of you that uh, edit that, you know, make a big commitment to, to sharing with the community. So thank you for keeping that up. And I really like the sound of that round trip editing. We'll have to give that a go. So thank you, Joe. Thanks for being on the podcast. My um, pleasure. This was great. Okay. Um, and my tip for this week is, first of all, a rant, which Dan normally specializes in, but I'm going to join in this week, is... <laughs> Intel needs to make fewer types of processors because honestly, I've been trying to buy a laptop this week, and as most people know, I'm a Mac fan, so I normally just go to the Apple Store and pick up a MacBook Pro. But this is for a, a, a member of the family who can't afford a Mac, and oh, there's too many, too many different options, too many different speeds. It's very difficult to to make a judgment on on which ones to go for. But my tip for this week is strong VPN. Um, it's a VPN client that basically allows you to connect to a VPN location in 18 countries around the world. So, for example, if if you're in the UK, you can connect to an American VPN access point, which means that then you can access Hulu and Boxy and, and some of those sites in, in America. Likewise, if you're somewhere else, you can come into the UK and access BBC iPlayer. So it's a really good solution for getting around some of those um, sort of DRM type uh, kind of restrictions on where you can access services from. Uh, in addition as well, it's, it's a good solution if you're at airports and so on, and you need that level of, of VPN control, even though you're just accessing you know web services, you may want to give that extra element of, of security as well packages start from about um, $55 a year or you can pay per month as well so that's strongvpn.com I've used it for a year and a half or so and really rate it so give that a try so um, if we just quickly go back around the table uh, Joe do you want to kick us off how do people find you if they want to get hold of you uh, well they can go to synchronous um, I've also got a twitter uh, feed Russo designs and those are probably the best two places to uh, to grab hold of me. <laughs> Brilliant, Joe. Thanks for taking part today. Really appreciated the information you shared. Oh, my pleasure. It was really a great experience, and I, I hope I get invited back sometime. You certainly will do. And Adam, how do people get hold of you? Sure. Well, you can you get me at my blog, which is uh, www.collaborationblueprint.com, or alternatively, my, my Twitter tag is uh, Adam Brown AUS. Excellent. Brilliant, and thanks for taking part today, and especially the day you come back from holiday as well. No worries. Happy to be there. Okay, good to speak to you. And Darren, how do people find you? Uh, Blog.darrenduke.net for all things technical, and for my 140-character rants, Darren Duke, all one word on Twitter, and I have already had at least one more person retweet iWildfire, so these 20 licenses have gone pretty quick. (laughs) Uh, it's going to be popular it's going to spread like wildfire indeed Um, (laughs) excellent and I'm Stuart McIntyre you can find me on Twitter um, at Stuart McIntyre or at collaborationmatters.com so thanks to everybody for taking part today I hope you've enjoyed the listen it's good to be back and until next week this was This Week in Lotus bye all opinions expressed during this podcast are those of the participants only and do not necessarily represent those of their employer this Week in Lotus is sponsored by Audible, the destination for the widest selection of digital audiobooks available worldwide.
Want to be well read like Duffer, but just can't spare the time to read books on paper? Take an audiobook on your commute or whilst walking instead. We've got a special offer for you. Download and listen to a best-selling book every month for just $7.49 a month for the first three months and you can cancel at any time. Pick from over 85,000 audiobooks from business to classics to sci-fi or comedy. Go to thisweekinlotus.com slash audible for all the details. 